Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin with Hickory Ridge Community Church, thanking you today for listening to the broadcast. And today is Wednesday, and every Wednesday we have our youth ministry, we have the Iwana ministry. It all starts at 6.30 at Hickory Ridge Community Church. And also on Wednesday night, we have this program called Gospel Project. And so this is what I'd encourage you to do. Bring your children Allow them to go to the Iwana ministry or the youth ministry and then come on in and join us for the Gospel Project. And Gospel Project is a study of God's Word where we spend three years going through, beginning at the book of Genesis, going all the way through the book of Revelation. And uh, we're just about at the end of our three-year cycle. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to start all over again. Uh, So you can join us at any time. So I'd encourage you to come on out Wednesday night. We are located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. I would love to see you tonight. So come on out and be part of what God is doing. Well, today I want to talk to you about the subject of hope, and I want to talk to you about the subject of why we can be so filled with hope. You know, the New International Version of the Bible uses that word hope and uses it 83 times. And uh, within these 83 times that these words hope are used, I find they fall into 52 different categories of hope. And uh, so I'm going to give you some of these categories. I don't have time to give you all 52 of them, uh, but we'll give you as many as we can as we go through the broadcast over the next couple of days. And, And I want you to know they fit into major factors, okay? Whatever factor you have in your life that is needing hope, God's Word has a a word of hope for you. And so the first major category is what I would call the divine factor, okay? Uh, The divine factor is that we have hope because of the name of Jesus. Matthew 12, 21, it says this, In his name, the nations will put their hope. So the nations need hope, and they put their hope in the name of Christ. Oh, I so wish our nation would do this today. With all that is happening with inflation, with the economy, all that is happening with the coronavirus, all that is happening in the in the moral slide of our nation, oh, would to God we would put our hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Philip Yancey, many years ago, wrote a book talking about this whole revolutionary call to follow Jesus. In his book titled, What Good Is God?, He illustrates what it takes to build upon the rock by hearing and keeping the words of Jesus Christ. He wrote in 2004, the Ukrainian election in which the reformer Viktor Yushchenko challenged the entrenched party and nearly died for it. On election day, the exit polls showed that Yushchenko with a very comfortable lead, but throughout an outright area of fraud. The government reversed the results. So Yancey writes these words. That evening, the state-run television reported, Ladies and gentlemen, we announced that the challenger, Viktor Yushchenko, has been decisively defeated. However, government authorities had not taken into account one feature of the Ukrainian television, the translation it provides for the hearing impaired. On the small screen, Insert on the lower right-hand corner. On the television screen, there was a brave woman raised by deaf and mute parents who gave a different message in sign language. In addressing all the deaf victims or citizens of Ukraine, she signed these words. Don't believe what they say. They are lying. 
I am ashamed to translate these lies. Yushchenko is our president. No one in the studio understood her radical sign language message. Inspired by that courageous translator, deaf people led what became known as the Orange Revolution. Yancey concludes, they text messaged their friends on mobile phones about the fraudulent election. And soon after, journalists took courage and likewise refused to broadcast the party line. Over the next few weeks, as many as a million people were wearing orange and flooded the capital city, demanding new elections. The government finally buckled under the pressure, consenting to the new elections, and this time, Yushchenko emerged as the undisputed winner. So Yancey follows it with this point. You know, our society is hardly unique. Like the sign language translator in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, along comes with a person, and his name is Jesus, who says in effect, don't believe the big screen, they've been lying. It's the poor who are blessed, not the rich. It's the mourners, too, who are blessed, as well as those who hunger and those who thirst and those who are persecuted. Those who go through life thinking they're on top will end up on the bottom, and those who go through life feeling that they're at the very bottom will end up at the top. After all, what does it profit a person if he gained the whole world and yet loses his own soul? That's why Jesus challenges us today to put our hope in Him, in Christ and in Christ alone. Don't put your hope in yourselves. Don't put your hope in government. Don't put your hope even in good things. Put your hope in Christ. I want you to know nothing in your life will disappoint you if you put your hope in Christ. You know, over and over and over again in Scripture, we are told, in Jesus' name, in His name, in my name, it says that the devils are powerless because of His name. You know that the demons were cast out in Jesus' name? Do you know that healing occurred in Jesus' name? Do you know that salvation comes in His name? We are to baptize in His name. We are to be justified in His name. Everything we do and say is to be done in His name. But it is praying in Jesus' name that I want to bring to the forefront of our thinking today. Jesus has invited, urged, and commanded us to pray in His name. And he has promised us incredible results when we pray in his name. In John 16, 23, there are some powerful verses. John 14, verses 13 and 14. John 16, verses 23 and 24 are some powerful verses that relate to this matter of prayer. In fact, when we pray, most of us pray in Jesus' name. But what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? When we are praying in this name of Jesus, that that first step is our hope is found in his name. But when we're praying in his name, we're actually praying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want us to look at Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 20. It says that the chief priest and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and then they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Uh, So here we see the disciples are discouraged, they're disappointed. They were hoping that Jesus was going to redeem them. And what's more, they said, it's the third day since all of this has taken place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. 
They came and told us that he had been seen uh, and they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said, but they had not seen Jesus. As we continue on looking at this chapter, what a fascinating chapter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is where we find our hope. You see, Paul understood this. In Acts chapter 23, Paul, knowing that some of the Sadducees and some of the Pharisees, they had called out in the Sanhedrin, and, and, and so Paul is refuting them, and he's talking with them, and he's, and he's saying, I stand trial with you today. Why? Because I have hope of the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, and so they were miserable. That's why they were called Sadducee. Ah, the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection, but didn't see how that affected them personally. Paul says, I'm standing on trial here because not only do I intellectually believe in the resurrection, but I'm putting all my confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, Steve DeWitt wrote a book called Eyes Wide Open, Enjoying God in Everything. He says these words, This world and its history are a prelude and a foretaste. All the sunrises and all the sunsets, symphonies and concerts, feasts and friendships are but whispers. They are a prologue to the grander story in an even better place. Only there, it will never end. J.I. Packard said it so well, Hearts on earth Say in the course of a joyful experience, I don't want this to ever end. But eventually it does. The hearts in heaven say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. There can be no better news than this. Ah, the resurrection of Christ ensures that we can live forever. We can live in eternity with Jesus in heaven, all because of the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, we've found two reasons already today to be hopeful. Number one is to be hopeful because of the name of Jesus Christ. Number two, we're hopeful because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then number three, we are hopeful because of the response of Jesus. Let's look at Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 20. It says that they were keeping a close watch on him. They sent spies who pretended to be sincere. Uh, They were spying on Jesus. They hoped to catch Jesus in something that he said, so that they might hand him over to the power and the authority of the government. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and that you teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but you teach the way in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity, and he said to them, Show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it? Why, Caesar's, they replied. And he said to them, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he said there in public, and they were astonished by his answer, and they became silent. Oh, listen, if you will quote Jesus, you will find hope in Jesus himself. Do you ever wonder why, why people cheat? Uh, you ever feel tempted to cheat? Maybe on an expense report or on taxes or on an exam? Uh, why do we cheat? Well, according to a 2012 research study that was done, 
at four major universities, they found that cheating often provided a psychological reward that would motivate people to act unethically. In other words, cheating can even give many people what researchers label as that cheater's high. We cheat because of the the thrill we get when we think we're beating the system. In one experiment, researchers from the University of Washington's Foster School of Business asked subjects to predict how they'd feel about cheating, as the researchers had expected. Most of the subjects predicted that they'd feel bad about cheating. Then they concluded an experiment with 179 students, and they had to unscrabble as many words as possible in a 15-minute period, earning money for each word completed. When the subjects were offered a chance to cheat, 41% of the participants did so. Right after the test, the participants took another test that measured how good they felt at that moment. Surprisingly, the cheaters reported a higher positive feeling than the non-cheaters. They had this excitement that they had beat the system somehow. A second study was done in 2005 with participants revealed even more disturbing results. Once again, the participants were given a test that allowed the chance to cheat. And once again, the cheaters felt better than the non-cheaters. But this time, the cheaters also rated themselves higher on how they felt clever, capable, accomplished, satisfied, and superior. In other words, they were not only feeling good about cheating, they also felt smug about it. An article in the Forbes magazine concluded, We can add to this study the pantheon of research undermining the idea that human beings are good at heart, and we wonder why Wall Street investment bankers, stocked with the smartest minds from Ivy League schools, all plunged right off the same cliff, cheating. You see, when we confront Jesus with a response, our hope is in Him. My critics will be silenced. That is a greater feeling than the feeling of that cheating high. The cheating high will eventually give way. But that feeling and that understanding that you are using the words of Christ and the response that Christ has gives you that long-term peace. Maybe that's why Jesus said, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake, for such is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, our kingdom is not here on this earth. We march to the beat of a different drum we realize that there may be some temporary enjoyment in sin. As a matter of fact, Moses acknowledged that sin is pleasurable for a season. But after this, the judgment. We have hope today in the name of Jesus. We have hope today in the resurrection of Jesus. We have hope today in the response of Jesus. And there's something else that you can put your hope in today. That is in the peace of Jesus. You know, Romans chapter 5 is a powerful chapter. Paul begins that chapter by saying, We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this is good stuff. We have gained access by faith into His grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. In other words, we have peace with God when we glorify in the presence of God that we have access to God made available through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It takes faith to get this peace, but that faith is not in ourselves. 
That faith is in Christ and what he's done for us. And Paul says, we're going to boast in that hope and in that glory of God. Oh, are you lacking peace today, my friend? Put your hope in God, in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there's something else that we have that also begins with the letter P. We've talked about the peace of Jesus Christ, but also the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, we're still in the book of Romans. Flip over to Romans chapter 15. And again, we have a quote. Paul gives a quote from Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who arise to the ruler over the nations, and in him the Gentiles will find hope. Where is that power found in? In, in that hope of Christ, that root of Jesse that springs up. We have the power of Jesus. All hear the power of Jesus' name. There's something else that we have power in today. And not only do we have peace with Christ and power of Christ, Ah, but that presence of Jesus Christ. You know, many years ago, I was involved in a an accident where where somebody was was severely injured, and and I just felt terrible. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I I had seriously injured uh, actually two people. One was more seriously injured than the other, and and I didn't know what to do. But my sister called me and says, "Well, why don't you come?" and and uh, my sister and my brother-in-law says, why don't you come? This is way before I was married. And, and just come and spend a night with me and uh, just hang out with us tonight. And, and uh, you know, don't worry about everything that's happening. I know your mind is, is swirling and you're feeling guilt-ridden. And, and uh, just come and hang out with us. And so I did. I went there and, and actually spent a couple nights with them and, and just joy, enjoyed their presence. You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't tell me what I did was wrong. And I knew what I did was wrong. And uh, they didn't. They didn't preach a sermon to me as how I ought to be more careful about the way I drive, and, and they just were just gracious to me, and allowed me just to be in their presence. Kind of reminds me of Colossians one twenty seven. You see, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, one of the great things about going to heaven one day is that we get a foretaste of glory divine because Christ lives within us through the Holy Spirit. But then one day when we get to heaven, all things are going to be new and we're going to be near God. Right now, the Spirit of God lives within us. But when we go to heaven, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, gathered together in heaven. We'll enjoy the presence of Jesus forevermore. As a matter of fact, Paul says to young Timothy, Paul, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of our God and Savior, and of Jesus Christ, our hope. Paul reminds Timothy that our hope is always in the presence of Christ. Hope is not found in his absence. Hope is not found in the absence of conflict. Hope is found in the presence of Christ. Now, there's something else that you can be hopeful about today. He's given us his peace that transcends all understanding In his name, we find hope. In his resurrection, we find hope. In his response, we find hope. In his power, we find hope. In his presence, we find hope, but also in his provision, how he provides for us. You know, First Timothy, there's a widow who is really in need, and she was left all alone, and she didn't know where to turn, so she puts all of her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. The provisions of Christ, he will always come through. You know, the writer of Hebrews was very profound when he wrote these words in Hebrews chapter 10. 
He says, let us draw near to God. In other words, as we are getting closer to him, as we have this sincere heart, and we have this this assurance that faith brings us, as we have our, our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, uh, these are the. This is the process that we go through as we tap into the provisions of Christ. We're drawing near to Him. We have this confidence that faith brings us that we can go boldly before His throne. We have our hearts that have been cleansed from the guilt that we are experiencing. We have our bodies that are being washed by pure water. And then Paul says, "Let us hold on, swerving to the hope that we profess, for He who promised is faithful." You see, God will never lack faith. My life verse is 1 Corinthians 10.13. Paul wrote that passage, and he says in that particular passage that when you're going through life, he says, there's no trial that has taken you, but such is is common to man. But God is faithful. Oh, I love that. God is faithful. Sometimes I lack faith. Sometimes I am falling short in my faith. Sometimes my faith is wavering, but God is faithful. He's promised to be faithful. You can go to the the bank on his faithfulness. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with that temptation also provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. You see, the provision of Jesus is that he promised that he's going to be faithful. So Paul reminds us that we should consider how we should spur one another on toward love and toward good deeds. So I want to give you a little test today. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. And and I I want you to kind of answer these questions. Maybe you're driving down the road. And and as I ask you these questions, I'm calling this the hope test, right? That's question number one. I hope in the name of Jesus. I'm saved. I've been born again. My confidence is in Christ. Is that you today? Can you say, yes, I am saved having my hope in Christ. Or maybe you're listening today and saying, nah, I don't think so. Or or maybe you're not sure. Listen, if your hope is in Christ, you're born again. If your hope is not in Christ, I want to help you to understand what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, question number two. I hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I've been baptized. Now, baptism is that first step of obedience. Baptism doesn't save you. As one preacher said, if you go down a wet center, you come back up a wet center. Baptism is that outward manifestation of your faith. It is also a statement of your faith. You see, when you were baptized, you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the fullness of his resurrection. The hope of the resurrection is is an outward baptism. That is my public profession of my faith. If you haven't been baptized after salvation by immersion, you need to take that first step. Number three, I hope in the presence of Jesus. I'm in his word. Yes or no? And by asking that question, I want to follow up by saying, if you hope in Jesus, you begin in his word, you're going to be going to worship, you're going to be part of a Bible study or a small group gathering together to fellowship and and be in God's word together, together. Listen, every believer, I don't care if you've been saved five years or 50 years, every believer needs to be in a group with other believers for the for the sake of accountability, for the sake of studying the word together. And uh, it's a biblical model, right? They gathered weekly to worship. They gathered from home to home throughout the week. And so you grow in your faith as you're with other believers. 
So when your hope is in Christ, you're in his word. And one of the ways that you have that accountability to be in his word is you're part of a group. All right, number four, I hope in the peace of Jesus Christ, I'm worried free. Yes or no? So here's a a question that kind of follows up with this question. Have I lost my temper with somebody this week? If you have lost your temper with somebody this week, it's because you don't have the hope and the peace of Jesus Christ. Here's another question. Have I been consumed with worry this week? You're not experiencing God's peace. Here's another question on the hope test. Number five. I hope in the power of Jesus Christ, I'm living in obedience. Yes or no? You know, when you tap into the power of Christ, he gives you the ability to follow through with obedience. Question number six. I hope in the presence of Jesus Christ, I'm sharing my faith. Yes or no? Are you sharing your faith? Have you shared your faith in the last 30 days? You see, when the presence of Christ is within you, you can't help but not share your faith. What's in you is going to come out. One final question. I hope in the provision of Jesus, I am giving, I am tithing. You see, when you trust God to take care of all of your needs, you realize that you can easily live in obedience by being a generous giver because you realize that all of your needs are going to be taken care of in Christ Jesus. Well, thank you so much for listening. If I can help you today, feel free to shoot me an email, ccorbit, C-C-O-R-B-I-T-T at hrcc 7 or give me a call at 252-267-2365. You can text me, leave me a voicemail. I'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember... In Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.